So good morning, everyone. So my name is Pastor Richard, and I'm the one who's, uh, I'm, you know, privileged to bring you God's Word. And uh, we're going to be doing that now. And uh, we've been going through a series working through 1 Thessalonians. And um, I, I just, it's just amazing. I don't want it to end. Um, I don't know about you, but it's been a fantastic uh, sort of journey through uh, learning about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and not just a follower and not just a religious person, but somebody who follows Jesus and receives the life that he gives and then is transformed and then lives it out. And, uh, you know, we were saying that, um, you know, Pakenham needs Christians who understand what this is so that they can then live it out and then they can receive what we have. And so we need to demonstrate to the world what we have so that then they can receive it too, right? If we look just like them, if we have no difference, if we treat just um, people just the way they do, then we won't be noticed at all. If we're just nice people, then people will say, oh, they're very nice and they're very friendly. But does that help at all? There are nice people everywhere. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure whether you've learned this, but there are nicer people not in this church. I know. I know. It's a shock, isn't it? There are nicer people out there doing nicer things than we do. We've got to to learn that. So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And we've learned so many things about it, but today we're going to be learning about what does it mean to be spirit-led. Spirit-led. Something supernatural has to happen to us so that we may be transformed in a supernatural way and so we do supernatural things that people notice and go, that's not just nice, that's powerful and effective. And so who here would like that or more of that? Good, great, good. Okay, (laughs) three or four of you. So what we need to see, though, first of all, is that uh, this passage or this um, book of, or letter to the Thessalonians is a letter written to Christians, written to Christians. And so Christians need to know how to live according to what it means to uh, believe in Jesus. But what we need to learn, first of all, though, is that it's the work of the Spirit that we even believe. The Holy Spirit needs to work within us to know that we're wrong with God, to have this sort of crisis moment, and then turn to Jesus and receive forgiveness and salvation, isn't it? Every day, I keep saying this to you, but every day in my life, I uh, repent and turn to the Lord and receive his forgiveness. And every time I do, I'm filled with a whole new joy. This is a daily practice. So as we repent and believe, we live by faith, we receive more of him who loves us. He, can, he fills more of our heart and more of our life every day. And so that's what we need to do. And so Paul is talking to us who are Christians and he tells us that we need to know that we have the Holy Spirit within us already and we need to grow in the Spirit. The Spirit needs to become more in us and we need to become less so that he becomes more. Okay, so we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the the second last sermon in this series. Oh, so sad. I think we should start at 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1 again. But anyway, apparently we don't do that here, so... Okay. So let's have a look at it. So it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 19. And it says, Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. Okay, so Paul is writing to Christians. 
And so what he's saying is that to be a Christian means that you have the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Holy Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Do you see that? You can't believe in Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit. You can look like a Christian, you can act like a Christian, but you're not a Christian, a follower of Jesus, unless you first of all have the Spirit of God. See, you're controlled by the Spirit of God. If you're not, then you're not in Christ. It's very important for us to understand that, isn't it, and to apply that to ourselves every day. But when you're a Christian and you have the Spirit of God, then what we need to do is understand that the flow of the Spirit is working in us all the time, isn't it? What we need to see is that we need to receive the flow of the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench it. You know, it's like a fire. You know, you can quench the fire. You can put a pot over it. You can put sand on it. You can put water on it. You can, you know, you can quench the Spirit. But those of us who are Christian, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a flow of the Spirit that is flowing to us continuously. But we are able and we can actually quench the Spirit. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, that um, we shouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Has, that, has the hair in the back of your neck stood up when you read that? There is an unforgivable sin. And that unforgivable sin is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. And so what we learn from this is that the Spirit of God is a person. He's a member of the Trinity. He is God, the Holy Spirit. He loves us with a perfect love. He wants to fill us our whole lives. And what we can do, though, is we can quench his flow and we can grieve him and we can blaspheme against him. And so the Holy Spirit is a person that we can you know, grieve, we can quench, and we can blaspheme. And so that's so serious, isn't it? We, we need to know that he's, he's in our lives. And so we need to understand what does it mean to, to quench that or to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever thought that we can hurt God? Because people say, oh, you can't hurt God because he's, you know, God. <laughs> you know, God's totally independent. He's the Trinity. He doesn't need anything. You can't hurt God, right? But we can hurt God. Why can we hurt God? Because God gave himself to us. In Christ Jesus, God came to us. He made himself vulnerable to us. Can you imagine? Can you figure that out? Can you feel that in your mind and heart and imagination? The God of the universe came to you and made himself vulnerable. He came to you and became hurtable, stabbable, spit uponable, crown of thorns uponable. He was put on a cross. You know, he, he died for our sins. He was in pain and anguish and agony because of us. The God of the universe lowered himself to our level, became one of us. He comes to our heart every day and he says, I love you. Do you see how much I love you? Do you know what I want for you? Do you know what I have for you? I have everything for you. All you need to do is receive that flow into your life. 
and you have it all. You don't have a part here and a part there and a bit there and a bit there or a small foe and when you're good enough you'll get more of it. No, you actually got the whole of God flowing into your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God actually does that? Because I believe that part of us in our own hearts don't believe that because we don't live like it's true, do we? I've looked at my life this week, I'm thinking, wow, actually, I don't think I live like that's true. I live like, well, I've got, I've got the spirit, you know, it's good, but I want more. Yes, I want more. But have I ever thought about the fact that I have it all right now? And if I, if I, you know, sort of quench it or grieve the spirit of God, I hurt God by saying no thanks, I'm actually grieving God. I'm hurting God. You know, the people in the world and, and many Christians think that, you know, God gets mad at us. You know, so, oh, you've broken the command. Bad. You know, oh, you've broken that law. Bad. But have you ever thought that God actually is hurt? Because every time we do anything for ourselves, anything against him, we hurt him. And he's hurt because he's not hurt because, you know, like he's, he's dependent on our, our love or anything. He's hurt because he sees in us that we're missing what's available to each one of us. He can see us complete right now. And every time we quench or stop something happening in our lives or resist him, then he can see that we're not becoming the person that we could be. Have you ever thought of yourself filled with the Holy Spirit? How would that look? What difference would that make? How much joy would you have in your heart? How intimate would you feel uh, your relationship with God is? How much security will you have? How powerful will you be? How natural will you be to share Jesus both in, in action and in words? Wouldn't it just flow from you? That's what Paul is saying. He says you need to uh, not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't smother it in any way. So how, how, do, we, how do we smother the Holy Spirit? Well, I think there's quite a few things, isn't it? Um, as soon as we uh, do something uh, selfish or on, on our own, we we choke the flow. Don't we? we hurt God. And as soon as we hurt God, what it does is it separates from us from God, doesn't it? So you feel guilty, and you go, "Oh, he doesn't. You know, he'd be mad at me right now. So I better just stay over here for a little while. I won't pray. I won't do anything." And that's grieving the Holy Spirit, isn't it? That's that's stopping the flow of grace and love in your life. Or if you lose joy. Last week we talked so much about joy, didn't we? There's so much joy available to us and we can be so full of joy. Well, if you don't have joy, then you have to say, why haven't I got joy? And the answer is, I'm grieving and quenching and blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. I'm denying his work in my life. When you don't receive him, then you're, you're, you're saying, oh, I'm okay, thanks, I'll, I'll do it myself. But we need to understand that when we receive him, he is there filled with grace, ready to fill our hearts and lives, and we need to know that it's true. How much peace do you have in your life? How much peace is there? Do you feel peace? What's, what's grinding away within you to stop you or to steal you from peace? Is it worries at work or worries in the family or worries with your possessions or the worries about the things you want to have, are there things that are stealing your peace? <coughs> then you see that you're, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. 
We need to work in our lives to ensure that we actually have the Spirit of God working in us and we're receiving all that he has for us. Galatians chapter 5 verse 20, from verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Did you hear that? The law doesn't apply to you because you're keeping it naturally. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and faction, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and all of that stuff. There's a whole lot more. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live like that, living uh, the worldly life, they're the ones who are actually blaspheming the Spirit of God. You, you see how that works? You're saying, no, I, I, I want to you know, please myself. I don't think God has my best interests at heart, so I'm going to do what I think is fun. And God says, no, I mean, you know, you can be, you can have your best life now. You can have all that you need right now in me. But we say, oh, no, actually, I think I'll be better at going over here and doing this thing. I think I'll have more joy there. Well, that's blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is looking at you and saying, oh, I've, I've got you. You know, you've got all you need in me. Why do you chase after all these things? We grieve the Spirit. We quench the flow of the Spirit. And we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. But verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love flows in. When you allow the Spirit to flow into your life, all you feel is love and everything that comes with love. You know what comes with love? Security. I'm okay forever. There's nothing that can happen to me today that will not affect my eternity with God. It will be painful whatever I go through, but it doesn't compare to the love that I have in God. I have that love now, and because I have that love now, I can be filled with joy and peace through my life as I live in that relationship with him. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Then we even have patience. We can be patient. Yes, you can. Can't you? You can be patient. You can have this patience. Do you have patience? Patience is hard to come by. <laughs> we need a lot of flowing of the Spirit to work in us so that we have patience, especially today. We want everything instantly, don't we? We want everything sorted out. We want everything good right now. We want it now. And yet, through the Spirit, we learn patience. Now, I was, I was testing that, you know, you drive down the freeway. Which lane do you get in? Which lane? Test the lane out. You say, you know, am I patient? I'm going to go in the left lane. <laughs> drive there for a little while. <laughs> no, I think if I go in the fast lane, that'll be faster. And then that slows down. Have you seen that? Every lane I choose is the slowest lane. And that just, that just, I don't know, it gets to me. I just want to be there. I just want to get there. And then I'm teaching myself, you know, is that patience? Is that the patience that I should have? What if, what if an accident happens and I'll oh, know I'm stuck there for four hours? Is that like a nightmare? Or is, is the, uh, the car the prayer closet? You know, I call the car the prayer closet. I don't want to turn the radio on or listen to anything. I just want to talk to God because that's such a beautiful time, isn't it? When you're by yourself. Now, nowadays it doesn't matter because it looks like you've got your hands free on, you know, so you can be talking away. And no one looks at me and goes, oh, he's crazy. 
I'm talking to God. He's on the phone. Yeah. You know, hands free. Pretty good. But that's the thing you can do, isn't it? You can see that um, you learn that the Spirit will give you patience. And then there's kindness. You can be kind to people. Even people who aren't, you know, they don't appear to be worthy of your kindness. You can be kind to anyone when you understand and know the love of God within you. You can be good, you can be faithful, you can be gentle, and you can be self-controlled. If you're self-controlled, if you're living that out, then you know you, you feel the presence of God. And so what I want us to consider now this morning is, um, are we receiving the Holy Spirit in us? Uh, is the flow of the Spirit working in us? When you live this out, do you feel the presence of God? And so when I'm talking to you right now, do you feel the love of God? Do you feel anything at all? If you feel anything at all, this is the flow of the Holy Spirit. Do you feel that security? Do you feel that love, that forgiveness, that I've got you sort of feeling? Do you feel that? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing I'm doing. I've got nothing up my sleeves. I've got nothing here. It's only through these faulty words coming to you that God is looking at you and saying, I love you. I died for you. I made myself vulnerable for you. Please don't grieve me. Please don't grieve me. Please receive, not for my sake, but for your sake. Do you hear that voice? Because that's what the Holy Spirit sounds like. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. So that as you receive it, you become so much more genuine and authentic and powerful and effective. Suddenly it impacts your prayer life and your character and the way you treat people. Everything changes when you do it. But as you see it working in your life, you say, hey, actually, I'm becoming more patient. I'm becoming more kind. That's a miracle. As you experience that, what you see, you say, that is the Spirit of God at work in my life because I can't do that. I can't do that. I can try to be nice. I can work really hard, and many Christians do. You know, they work at being really nice and really kind and smiling all the time and saying, I'm trusting God, you know, praying every day. <laughs> you know, things are not working out, but I'm trusting God. It's all good. But then they don't feel it on the inside. It's just happening on the outside. But when you truly feel the love of God within you, then you know that he's there. And, and it happens during... Uh, the worst of times. I mean, we're having struggles uh, in our life at the moment, and, and I think you really feel the presence of God more in the pain. And, and I just thank God that there's a flow of the Spirit within my life that's there to give me joy and peace, even in the midst of struggle and pain. There's heartbreak, and yet within the heartbreak, there's a peace and a joy that God gives. That's the flow of the Spirit. And so for me, I, I can tell you today that I am closer to God now because of the troubles that I've experienced. And so what I am is a, is a cold, see? We're all cold. Can you imagine yourself as a cold? And, and so what we're called to do is don't quench the Spirit. Don't put the Spirit out by living for yourself or, or, or you know, just trying to please yourself or living with the sins that you have. But consider yourself as a cold. And so I've come here this morning with my, you know, smouldering cold. And I've been seeking God and, and wanting the flow of the Spirit. I don't want to quench it in any way. So I want my coal to burn. And, and I hope it's burning now. I hope there's some sort of glow or something coming from me now. 
But just me on my own is like a total waste of time, isn't it? You put one little coal in the middle of this paddock and you see this little coal. Don't do it, you know, for real because, you know, that would be bad for bushfires and things. But, uh, you know, one little coal in the middle of a desert is nothing. But you all are coals. And as you light up and as you join with me, as we join together, then suddenly the, the warmth uh, increases and the light shines more brightly. And the light goes a further distance into the darkness and people see it. And so what we have here is, you see, don't quench or put out this coal that's your life. Can you see yourself as a coal now? How bright do you think it is? How warm do you think it is? You can glow it today. You can, it can burst into flame right now. All you have to do is receive the Spirit of God in your life and say, I know you're flowing in, please flow in. But then you can't just be there on your own. We need to glow together. We're, we're created, you see, to be a community of people glowing together so that we're warmer and brighter and we reach further into the darkness. And so the Spirit of God loves us. He's calling us. He's saying, don't quench my flow. Don't hurt me by not receiving what I have for you. Have you done that for people? <laughs> you know, you've given them, a, you've, you've put all this effort into something and they don't seem to be very thankful about it. Does that hurt in any way? It does, doesn't it? Imagine if you made this great big painting and you put all your effort in, you watched so many YouTubes just to get it done. And then you give it to somebody and says, I've made this in love for you. And they go, meh. Does that hurt? Imagine the God of the universe coming from heaven to earth, dying for you, coming to you and saying, I've done all this for you. What do you think? What do you think? Will you receive it? Will you open up? Will you allow me to come into you to make you all that you have been called to be? Wouldn't that fire you up? If that doesn't fire you up, nothing will. And so we're called to allow the Spirit of God to, to come in, to, to fire us up. But and you know, sometimes, and so many of us, can look like these people who have lost the will to live. Have you ever met people or been a person that's lost the will to live? I've met quite a few in my time. They, they don't want to live. They think death uh, is better than their life that they're living at the moment. It's a tragic thing. They lose their appetite. You know, they don't want to do anything to help themselves. They just want to lie there and just curl up in a ball and stay there forever. And so they don't receive anything. Isn't that a tragedy? Our heart goes out to people like that. But then I was thinking the Spirit of God is showing me that we can look like that, can't we? We can look that, have that sort of lost the will to live in the, in the gospel life. That, you know, we'd rather live our own lives and try it our own way. And we starve ourselves to death. We, we waste away. Our coal goes cold and hard. So God comes to us this morning and he says, um, don't quench the spirit of God. And it says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. You see how this works? We, we can actually quench the Spirit of God. We can grieve the Spirit of God. We can blaspheme the Spirit of God by not reading and applying his word to our lives. Or we read his word but don't do what it says. When we do that, we become totally ineffective and unproductive as Christians. We have no light or growth or 
um, glow or warmth at all. And so what we need to see is that as the Spirit of God enters into our lives, he brings the Word of God to life in us. Oh, yeah. All those promises are there, aren't they? They're filling us with joy and peace. It doesn't matter what's happened. God's got us. You know, We're tattooed on his hand. He'll never let us go. He'll, we'll never fall between his fingers. He's got these promises. You'll live forever. But there are so many other things that he's called us to, to live by. And as we live by that, the Spirit flows through the word into our hearts. It embeds it in there and it catches fire. Do you read the word of God in that way? When you read the word of God, does it catch fire? Because that's what the Spirit of God wants for you. Every word written in this word is a word directly spoken to you. It comes from the God who has become vulnerable and loves you, and he wants you to hear it. And he is grieved when you don't read it or don't believe it or don't put it into practice. So if we grieve the Spirit of God, imagine if we receive the word, um, the Spirit of God uh, read the Word of God and put it into practice. What do you think the Spirit of God would have instead of grief? Joy. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Right. Joy. Wouldn't it? Can you imagine? I want to live such a life that the Spirit of God goes, woohoo! <laughs> Richard's got this. He's getting this. It's coming to his life. Is that what you want? What would you rather do? Grieve the Spirit of God or give the Spirit of God joy? <laughs> It's a silly question, isn't it? And yet we need to answer it within our hearts, don't we? This is true. And so we say, okay, receive the Spirit of God, know the love of God, receive all the fruit of the Spirit, and then read the Word of God and then put it into practice and then our, our coal will become brighter and brighter and brighter. We'll become more warm and our light will go more into the darkness if we do this together. And so that's why we as a church, you know, we want to be people of the Word. We want the Word of God to be the centre. We want to make sure that the Word of God is the centre of what we do. Now, we don't want to go after all sorts of prophecies or strange or weird or wonderful things. We want to have the Word of God, right? And so that's what it says there. It says that we need to test them all. That we need to test every prophecy, every word from God. We need to test according to the Word of God so that we know that it's true and right. We have the Word of God or the Bible. It's, we say that it's complete. We don't want to add to it. Imagine if we were getting new words to add to the Bible every Sunday. Is that a good idea? See, what happens is then, you know, the, the plain thing doesn't become the main thing. But the main thing has to be the plain thing, the Word of God. We can so easily get caught up and lost in all sorts of different weird and wonderful things, can't we? You know, I, I won't even start quoting them to you. I've heard some pretty weird and wonderful things. But the thing is, the Word of God is very clear about it isn't it? The truth of the scriptures, the truth of the gospel is right here. And so the, the Spirit of God will fill us with his truth and then we can recognize it by studying his word and then what we'll do is we'll be able to discern. When we hear things, we'll test them according to the word and spirit and then we'll cast out the things that are wrong but keep the things that are right. And so when you hear me speaking to you, that's what you need to be doing right now. You say, is this from God? Is this true? Let's test it according to the word. If it's true, then we're in trouble because then we have to do it. If it's not true, then we can reject it and don't listen to Richard at all. But that's what we need to be doing, don't we? Every time we read the word, every time we hear something, we need to be testing it according to the scriptures and according to the power that's flowing within us. So that's what we need to do. 
And so you have to ask yourself the question, am I feeling close to God right now? Am I feeling intimate with God? Am I feeling joy? Do I have peace? Do I have peace about my past, peace about my present, and peace about my future? Do I have that peace? That's the peace that God promises. Do I have this patience and this kindness? Do I have all these things within me? And I don't know about you, but if you don't, we need to receive it more, don't we? We need to do it more. We need to receive him more. So let's pray and receive this. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can enter into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness and healing and reconciliation with you. That, Lord, you became vulnerable, that you gave yourself for us. We thank you, Lord, that you came for us, that you saved us, and now that you call each one of us. We thank you, Lord, that you come to us in love, that you don't come to us in judgment, but you come now inviting, knocking on our, the door of our heart, hoping for us to receive. Lord, we acknowledge before you that we are a sinful people in need of your love and grace. But Lord, we so often grieve the Spirit. We hurt you. So often uh, we quench the flow. So often we show by our actions and our words that we don't really believe the promptings of the Spirit. Lord, help us to repent of this. Help us to change our mind, to stop doing what we were doing and to start living for you. Please forgive us for hurting you and for, for not allowing you in. But Lord, now we pray that you'll fill us with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, Enter in. Demonstrate you are there by giving us love and all the fruit that you offer us. Help us, Lord, to be that coal that we may offer you our coal, that we may offer PC3 the coal so that we may all join together and become warmer, brighter, and reach more into the darkness. Lord, we pray that you'll move in us, transform and change us, Help us to be people of the word and people who live your word out. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all those who agree and commit say, Amen.